Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Saxa podcast, The First Five Years. I'm one of your hosts, Agassi Rodriguez, coming at you actually for the first time in a long time at Clemson University. Hi, everyone. It's Erica Aguiar coming at you as I have been for many, many, many months in my office at the University of Florida. Agassi, how does it feel to be on campus and in your space and recording? Well, technically, I've been in this space for a few weeks now, but this is the first time that the recording has landed when I've been in the space, uh, to be clear, because I have been working here for a couple of weeks now. Um, it feels good. We moved to a new building, um, probably only the second best building on campus after our student union, um, which if any folks are familiar with Clemson University, you know that the Edgar A. Brown Student Union is a very special building slash uh, nuclear fallout shelter, as is this building. So um, we are now in the second best building on campus. Yes, yes. Nuclear fallout? Miles knows this very well. He's talked about this before. Um, the Palmetto Ballroom, um, for those of you who might be familiar with Clemson University, if there were any ever a nuclear apocalypse, I would hide out in the Palmetto Ballroom. That place is secure. It is safe. There are no windows. Um, you cannot get cell service, so that is the one downside. So you can't scroll through Twitter casually if you know the apocalypse is outside. But you know pros and cons, I guess. Uh, but yes, quite a quite a building in space. Sounds like we have some different union vibes, but if there was a nuclear fallout, I think I'd want to be where you're at. So yeah, I mean, could we scroll Twitter? No, but would there even be a Twitter at that point? We've gotten too far away from what we're actually talking about today. I'm going to reel it back in. Agassi, how's your week been? My week has been pretty good. You know, honestly, it was a four day onslaught of just rain and gray and mushiness outside. And finally the sun broke outside, which for Florida people, not seeing the sun for over 24 hours, it's quite depressing, even though I've been away from the state of Florida for a couple of years now. Uh, but it was just, you know, now it's like beautiful and sunny and I'm just so happy again. What about you, Erica? How's your week been? It's good. It's been really nice out, although happy Valentine's Day on this would have been last Friday. Nope. Sunday. I don't know what day it is. Pouring. And if that doesn't feel like a really good reflection for many people's relationships, I don't know what does. And that feels so shady as someone who is in a relationship. I didn't mean it like that. (laughs) For those of you in unhappy relationships, can't relate, signed Erica. Edit all of this out. And by that, I mean, leave all of this in. This is so funny. If you are in a relationship or not, I hope you are just having a great (laughs) (laughs) This is... Okay, welcome everyone to the first five years, our <laughs> podcast for new professionals, anyone interested in student affairs, the beginning stages of higher education, we're glad you're here. <laughs> Erica's trying really hard to get through all of that without laughing to herself, but we're so happy to have y'all. Uh, we hope, as always, to bring some timely information based off of the calendar and time of the year and providing a public voice for graduate students and new professionals in student affairs. And before we get too deep into it and we introduce our guests, I did want to just double back really quickly and do a little, you know, full 180 and just get back to our challenge word, Erica. You are not escaping it this time. Our last episode, you were given snippets doodle and I am disappointed to say that you did not rise to the occasion on that one. So, redemption shot. 
your word is still snickerdoodle. Um, we kind of joked um, a while back ago, uh, just a second ago, if folks have listened to the Dr. T episode of Faculty Wisdom, um, Erica's challenge word was almost phenomenology, just because I wanted to watch her slash hear her try to pronounce it. Um, but we decided to give her a separate shot with snickerdoodle. You ready? You ready, girl? No. It just is so hard to bring up a casual conversation unless I'm like, guess what I had this weekend to eat? A snickerdoodle. But I am going to write it down somewhere and I'm going to try to remember it in this recording. Thank okay, you boom. for the redemption arc and option for me to really come back stronger than I have. Yes, before. I care about you so much. So moving into our guest introduction, we're so excited as always to bring a guest, a very special guest to the pod. Savannah Lockman is the student engagement coordinator with the Georgia Tech Alumni Association in Atlanta, Georgia. She works directly with their Student Alumni Association, advising their professional development and leadership programming. Additionally, she heads up their student to young alumni and graduating student initiatives. She recently graduated with her master's from Clemson University and job search at the start of COVID-19 pandemic. Quite some achievements there. Outside of work, Savannah loves to spend time with her dog, Lucy, trying out a new beer, watching Survivor, and obsessing over all the things Goats and Guy Fieri. Please welcome Savannah Lockman. Woo, woo, woo. woo. <laughs> hi, I'm so excited to be here. We're so woo, excited woo. to have you and your expertise in all things Goats and Guy Fieri. Yeah, yeah. cool. I mean, Not I need oh one more God. G, I feel like, to make it like triple G, like a show, you know, Goats, Guy Fieri, and... Honestly, mm. I, I was kind of hoping that you were going to like have like a themed party or like maybe a wedding in the future, like go Goats and Guys, like, oh. and you either dress up as a goat or you dress up as a guy. Uh, I recently saw someone, saw someone do a, a Guy and Dolly party, yes. where you either dress up as Guy Fieri or Dolly Parton, and I am going Ooh. to absolutely take that idea. Oh, for sure. <laughs> Who posted that? I have questions. It was on TikTok. Why? You know it was. Dolly Parton, of course, because Queen Dolly. Hey, Fieri. This is not a judgment of who he is as a person, just a judgment of why you would want to dress up or why you'd want more than one of him at any party. Erica, if you have not gone to Flavortown, I think it's hard to communicate what Guy Fieri means to those in that community. What is, wait, where are Flavortown? Flavortown's inside. Flavortown's in your heart, you know? I've not been. Someone take me to Flavortown, please. Won't you take me to Flavortown? Okay, anywho, so we're getting way off topic again. So welcome back, folks. Today, we're going to be talking to Savannah, once again, continuing on our job search cycle, um, to talk about job searching during an actual pandemic, uh, which many of you might think yeah, that must be rough. And we'll talk about just now, what are some of the techniques, some of the strategies that Savannah used in her own job search um, as a part of obviously graduating from Clemson and then having to job search during, as I mentioned, an actual pandemic. Yeah, we're so, so thrilled to have you on. Agassi and I have not job searched in a pandemic. So I think you will bring some really, really important and helpful perspectives because people are job searching literally right now, the, you know, graduating class of 2020 and 2021. I hope y'all are listening because this will be really helpful. But of course, we have to start with, Savannah, what's the best thing you ate this week? 
Ooh, the best thing I ate this week, it it's easily accessible for everyone uh, because there's one on every corner. I feel like Waffle House um, had that nice all-star special for Valentine's Day, had that bacon, that hash brown scattered, smothered and covered, raisin toast, um, my chocolate chip waffle, my egg scrambled with cheese and a Diet Coke. And my gal, Miss Kiki, she gave it to me and the rest is history. That was the best thing I ate this week by far. Okay. I, you know, was not expecting that that would have been the choice you made. And I'm really excited about it because I am a Waffle House stan and I have not been in a long time. So one, I think this is incredibly relatable content. And two, I will be going to Waffle House this weekend because just thinking about a chocolate chip waffle is really just very important to me. I mean, I'm not going to brag, but Georgia Tech alum was the founder of Waffle House. So it really works out well. So, and we have an on-campus Waffle House here at Tech. Whoa, an on-campus Waffle? Yeah, it was a non-negotiable for me during the job search. Wow, okay, well, bring those thoughts to that conversation about non-negotiables. It has been such a long time since I've had Waffle House. I'm not gonna get. I'm not gonna get on a uh, on a tangent on that, but I I miss our waffle home, you know, very much so, very much so. I can see. What is the best thing you ate this week? Well, it definitely was a waffle house. Now that's all I'm thinking about. Uh, the best thing I ate this week. Um, Carter and I have been doing so good about cooking more at home and making our lunches at home and making our coffee at home, and I'm very proud of us. So last night, actually, we had an air fryer chicken breast um meal i guess um and we coated it with this like like garlic herb breading and that is the first time i've made something in the in the air fryer outside of like fries chicken nuggets so honestly chef's kiss it was a great it was incredible you threw that bad boy in there and boom you had dinner so and once again carter really led the effort on the dinner because i did have some classes and some things to do so once again carter appreciation pod um, but yes, that's the best thing I ate this week. Is the air fryer the new set it and forget it? Because that's just the vibe that I was getting from you. Were you like, put it in? Boom. I don't know. I, I don't have an air fryer. I haven't dabbled in the air fry life, but. Erica, are you not on the fry life? I'm not on the fry life. I've not been to Flavortown. I don't know what I'm doing. Okay. Okay. Erica, we got to get you there. We got to get you there. But what's before we get you there, what's the best thing you ate this week? So uh, Saturday night, um, Brian and I were talking about what we wanted for dinner and it was going to be sort of our Valentine's day dinner, but we don't eat in restaurants. So we're like, what can we pick up? And it was like 8 PM. So everything was pretty busy. So we got Satchel's pizza, which is a very, very Gainesville classic and their salad. And I sort of wish that the pizza had been heart-shaped it was not but it was really good it just was like a good pizza they had this really amazing salad that is just made with love and sunflower seeds and literally the ingredients the first one is love so that was the best thing I ate this week it was nice to support local and get some really yummy food and just hadn't had it in a while so it was the best thing I ate this week I also had pizza this weekend uh chicken bacon ranch pizza, um, which was factually amazing. I, I should have, that was a close runner up. That was a close runner up. But unfortunately there was more love in the chicken breast than there was in the, in the pizza. Um, we went to the grocery store and they were just completely out of love. So honest, so yeah. 
some would say the love is uh, selling like hotcakes. This is a really food-themed episode. I'm going to keep it moving. Yeah, usually they keep the love right next to the snickerdoodle cookies, but I guess this time they were just- Use my word against me. Don't you dare. I was giving you an example. I was modeling the way. I'm learning a lot about like leadership and stuff like that. But anywho, moving on to our next segment, uh, we get to bring back our producer, Miles Sorrent, to ask us a couple of would you rather questions. And I know he's real jazzed. Uh, He had a smile on his face before we started this episode, which makes me concerned and worried, but also kind of excited, weirdly. So take it away, Miles. Well, very pleased to be here. Got a couple of scintillating would-you-rathers this morning. Um, So would you rather only bathe in a washing machine for two years' time or be thrown out a second-story window in a towel? Those are your options. So you can only bathe in a washing machine for two years' time or you can be thrown out a second story window in a towel. Those are your, those are your options. So what are, what are some uh, would you rather responses here? Miles, may I ask a clarifying question? Oh my gosh, of course. Do I, I have the best information possible. Thank you, thank you. If I am thrown out the window, am I hurt? You don't know, you know, that's, uh, that's really- Oh, so we're taking a chance on my life? You know, second story window, you know, land on your feet. I, I don't think, I don't think like lives are going to be involved here, but I think you could be, I think you could be hurt. So, okay. you know, something, something to think about. It's really like pain versus hygiene. I think that's really how you have to think about this one. Okay. I feel pretty confident in saying that I'd rather get thrown out a window and nothing but a towel. And here's why. One, I hurt myself all the time. So I'm pretty immune at this point. Two, I don't use bath towels. I use bath um uh, sheets that are much longer. So if you throw me at the window, I feel like there's a likelihood of me being covered up. And that is my answer. And if you have any questions, you can let me know. So just to clarify this, this doesn't, there's not shame associated with this per se. I mean, there is for one person on this call, but not uh, like not specific. You're not only wearing a towel. The towel is the mechanism by which you are thrown out the window. Oh, Mm-hmm. So just to, oh. just to clarify, I don't, I think that only strengthens your answer, but it does. Yeah. I feel, I feel good. I, I one time jumped off a moving golf cart and didn't die. So like, I feel immune. So I'd like to hear from the other folks in the room. Cause there were some strong reactions to this washing machine. And I don't know why. Me neither. It's like a totally not related to anything else question. So just from my imagination, honestly. Agassi, uh, I feel like I feel like you have to go first, and then and then I'll follow you. I just I just really need you to answer. I need more time to think and marinate on this. <laughs> I've been trying to collect myself since Mona started talking, and I think I'm good, but I'm definitely still crying. Um, I hope that Savannah will follow her her notes up with a conversation on why Miles chose to ask the specific questions. Um, I really hope so we can get it out to the world. Um, I would have to say I would rather bathe in a washing machine. 
Um, but I think the washing machine, you know, I am a, 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 what's a, what's a, a the technical term for it. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a lot of man. So I feel like it needs to be a bigger washing machine. Um, but you know, like a, a good little spin cycle, you know, like I'm down as long as the washing machine is like where you put it from that, like the top, um, and then doesn't have the little cone thing in the middle. I think that's the best scenario there. You know, a nice little spin cycle, you know, like really like, spru- you know, spruce things up, I guess. <laughs> Just... All right, Savannah, it's up to you now. Wow. Um, such beautiful, beautiful reactions. Um, nothing like sharing some of your most shameful moments on a syndicated podcast. Um, but uh, I think I would have to go with the washing machine um because one i feel like it would be like a jacuzzi honestly um two you'd be clean forever and three you'd be with your friends because i feel sure there'd be other things or people in that washing machine um the reason i chose this answer and miles chose this question um was my last year of grad school a month before i started the job search so very timely uh a bird got into my apartment and i chased it for two hours um and i finally caught it with a towel (laughs) and i threw it out the window or so i thought and so then i put the towel in the washing machine and the everybody's face reaction oh my gosh i'm blushing so hard um no don't i i washed it it ain't so i washed it and um the power went out in the middle of the wash and i was like oh man i guess i'll just wash it again in the morning you know and so i i went outside that morning after i'd restarted my wash and i was like hmm let me see if this bird landed at the bottom of this second story window or did it fly off into the sunset Little did I know, um, neither of those options happened. And instead, I gave it a burial at sea in my washing machine. (laughs) And that is how um, I may or may not have killed the state bird of South Carolina. So (laughs) I really hope um, no state of South Carolina um, nature preserves or reserves or anything that I can't even get out of my mouth is listening to this because I don't know if that is a crime. (laughs) But um, we then gave it a nice burial out the second story window after it had been washed a couple times. (laughs) The Audubon Society of South Carolina is coming for you. I, I respect that. Um, and I take all of the punishment that I so deserve <laughs> from I... that. So they now call me Wren Slayer because it was a Carolina Wren. Um, it could be a really great indie band or um, a title for a crime. And I will accept Wren Slayer wholeheartedly. Honestly, I'd be surprised if there wasn't like a crime junkie episode um, that just appeared talking about the Carolina Wren after we aired this episode. Um, also, Erica Autobahn, is that not for cars? No, this is a real thing because my partner's mom is a bird watcher and she sends us all these Autobahn events to go to in Florida. So it is bird watching. I promise you this. I am not misusing a word again. This is not a Coutremont 2.0. She's correct. It's a different Autobahn. So Autobahn is the uh, is the highway system in Germany, and Autobahn is our guy. I think James, maybe John Autobahn, famous, uh, you know, ornithologist. Okay, number two that uh, went um, 
better than I ever could have dreamed. I think this one will be a little faster. Um, so would you rather have a, a rat in your office or would you rather call a stranger by the name of their company instead of their actual name? So just to provide an example that is applicable to this situation, if there was a pest control person in your building who worked for the company named Gregory Pest Control, but you had been told that his name was Gregory, would you rather have the rat in the office or call the man who is there to exterminate the rats Gregory when his name is actually John or something else? Again, this one feels like there's a story and I for one can't wait to hear it. Um, in grad school, I had a rat in my office and well, okay, so I didn't really have an office to be clear. I had a desk in the mailroom and there was a rat loose and they had last seen it under my desk and I was just told it'll be fine. Um, so I think that I'm probably okay with a rat because I get really severe embarrassment. Like I just feel, I feel it and I would feel so sad. So that's my quick, my quick. Listen, honestly, I would totally go the other route. I would absolutely call the person <laughs> the name of the company. <laughs> you know, I think I think something we're not talking about here is, you know, what if their name is Gregory? And like, what if you're right? And like, you you know, you've been saying it correctly this entire time. So I'd go with Gregory. I also would have to go with Gregory. My man's Gregory from Gregory Pest Control. I don't know if this is a sponsored ad from them now, <laughs> um, but you know, he he had such a great personality and just really enjoyed talking with me every time I called him the wrong name um, and his little holster of peanut butter and easy Mac that he carried around to catch the rats. I think just, uh, he just looked like a Gregory gave me Gregory vibes. Um, so this episode is dedicated to Gregory for Gregory, everyone. For a 10% discount off of Gregory's pest control services, please click the link in our bio. Okay, well, I've uh, I brought enough chaos to this uh, endeavor. Um, Savannah, please forgive me, and uh, best wishes on the rest of uh, on the rest of the recording project. Thanks so much, Miles. See you soon. Well, I think it's only time that we transition away from what has probably been the most chaotic episode we've ever recorded to talk about our content. Um, so, Savannah, I think the first question from us, um, you know, in this is kind of a loaded question. Tell us about your job search. Started off the job search trying to just surround myself with some really good people. I surrounded myself with my mentor, some really great coworkers in my office that I looked up to professionally, some of my network connections from other universities, um, and then just some really great friends in the grad school cohort and outside of the grad school process that kind of was there to set me up for success and really talk me through what I wanted out of the job search and what I wanted my end result to be. So I started off that fall semester kind of making that kind of group of core supporters and then started going into what I wanted out of that job. I knew I wanted to work with students. I knew I wanted to work at a college or university, preferably a large four-year public institution, having been gone to the University of Georgia for my undergrad and then Clemson University for my master's. I love that kind of large campus feel and that public university lifestyle. I had an internship 
um, in another university, a private liberal arts institution. And although I loved it, I mean, the coworkers were some of the best coworkers that I had there and the teammates I made were great. I just realized it wasn't my vibe. So I really wanted to get back to another four-year institution. So made that kind of list. Um, I knew I wanted to be really flexible and just kind of go where the universe took me in terms of um, kind of functional area. I was open to student leadership, student orgs, community engagement, um, and alumni engagement um, were kind of my core four functional areas. I wasn't location bound. I wasn't searching with a partner. Um, so really the world was my oyster to kind of go wherever I needed to go. Um, so started off the job search process in December of that fall semester. I had a friend send me an application at one of their universities and they thought I would be a really great fit. And so I wasn't going to start my job search till January 1. That's kind of like the sweet spot I was told is like, okay, starting January 1, you hit the ground running. Um, but I started probably, I guess that application closed at the end of November. And then I heard back in the first of December about an interview process. And I didn't know if I wanted to start it so early. I didn't know what, like if it was the right position for me, but a lot of people just encouraged me to kind of try it out, see where it takes you. And if anything, you learn from the process. I think any application is a learning process, a part of the process, and it's a learning opportunity. And so that's kind of how I took it. Every no or yes or another interview was a chance for me to sharpen my skills and kind of know what I wanted out of the interview process and then the ultimate job. So ended up going all the way through to an on-campus with that role. And I got to the on-campus and I got home and I didn't have that firework feeling that like eureka moment of like, this is where I need to be. And although the team that I would be working with and the university was so fun and so nice, and they were very responsive and wanting to know what I needed out of this role, I just realized it wasn't for me. And it was my um, kind of supervisor, um, Kara, shout out to you, Kara, um, for saying kind of like, did you get that feeling? Don't just be taking a job to take a job, like be kind of open to getting that firework feeling like that's what you deserve. And so I ended up pulling out of the process and they were super gracious and were like, hey, this is as much of a fit for you as it is for us. And that's something that I took with me kind of going to start that January one application process. So it was a nice learning experience. Got that firework, didn't get that firework moment, but got that, okay, these people want you to be as successful as they want you to fill this role. So we need to make sure that it's a mutual fit on both ends. So started January 1 on higheredjobs.com every day, just scrolling through, saving different ones. If it sounded interesting to me, I would save it and then I would apply for it. And sh another shout out here to Miles. Uh, he is my friend tour um, and number one bully um, in this case of the would you rather questions, but also just gave me some of the best advice of keep applying, even if you start hearing back yeses. So I would apply to probably one or two positions every one or two days. So I was cranking out some applications and I tried not to fall in love with any of the roles until we got that yes at the end of that process. Um, we just kept cranking them out. So I applied and I had a spreadsheet of the job title, job description, 
location um, and then a link to the actual job description and job posting that I would save in a Google Doc folder since those go away after they start the process. Um, and then kind of like salary and then distance from home. I am from Georgia. I didn't want to stay in Georgia, um, funny enough. Um, so I wanted at least to know kind of the distance that it would be since I am an only child and my parents are older. I wanted to make sure that if necessary, I could get back and there would be like a major airport nearby um, or something like that. So those were kind of some of the lists. I also did kind of tailor my job search low key from where the closest waffle house was, but that was not on my spreadsheet. Um, but it could be a non-negotiable for sure. Um, so started cranking out some applications, started hearing back some phone interviews. Um, and then I, it started like the inkling of like, Oh wow, things are starting to shut down. There's this new like COVID-19 thing out there. Like maybe it'll cancel your conference. Maybe we'll go remote for a couple of weeks. And I was just kind of very like chill about it. I was like, oh yeah, like no big deal. Like the, we'll shut down for two weeks and then I'll have the job search and it'll be fine. And it was probably that end of February, first week of March where it was like, oh no, this is way more serious. Like people are dying, like things are being shut down. And um, it kind of hit me of like, oh, wow, like me getting a job before graduation may not be that realistic thing anymore. Um, because I think that's what everybody kind of goes into grad school, that goal of like, hey, I'm going to get a job before graduation and everything's going to be great. And I'm going to move and it's going to be awesome. But I think my biggest takeaway there was like, hey, life doesn't always turn out the way you think it's going to. And that is fine. And if you get a job before graduation, great. If you're getting a job in October uh, after graduation, still great. Doesn't make you any less of a professional, any less of a person. Like your worth is your worth and you're, you've got it. So um, I kind of set a little personal deadline to me that I wanted to get a job by July 31st because that was when my lease was up in Clemson. And I knew I had enough in savings to kind of get myself to that July 31st deadline um, before I needed to figure out a, like a plan B. So for me, I could ride out a couple months after graduation for that firework feeling. And to me, I'm very much into feelings and vibes and team dynamics that I didn't want to just take a job to be taking a job. I wanted to make sure it was the right fit for me. And I had a couple of months wiggle room after graduation. So um, had a lot of my applications got closed or pulled because of funding or they had to end the search um, because of COVID-19 and they weren't sure where this role would be and definitely had those moments of like crying of, okay, did I get into the wrong field? Is this like where I'm supposed to be? What can I fall back on? And really all I knew I could fall back on was kind of like the service industry. And I worked at a brewery. So like I could pour some beer and we'll be, we'll be good. And then you kind of get that moment of, oh, wow, those are also shut down. Uh, maybe I need to figure out even more of a plan B or C or D. Um, and I think it was really great to kind of lean on my cohort mates. I was incredibly lucky that my cohort was very open about talking about these topics and kind of just sitting there. We do Friday night movie nights and we just did not talk about the job search and we just kind of had this sense of community there. And I think that's what we needed in that moment um, of a very stressful time. But 
ended up getting a phone interview for Georgia Tech. Um, my friend actually sent me the position. She wanted me to come back to Atlanta. I did not know if I wanted to come back to the state of Georgia, but after reading the job description, it was almost like my dream job. I um, actually in class my first year wrote out kind of what my dream job would be. And it would be um, advising a student alumni association, working with the alumni within an alumni association, doing student leadership programming at a four-year public institution. And that is what Georgia Tech is. It is a very smart school, um, a very diverse school. We have a very large international student population, non-traditional student population, um, four-year public institution in the heart of Atlanta. And although it is my alma mater's rival, and I did grow up um, very much an anti-Georgia Tech fan, I hopped on that first phone interview um, with my supervisor, my now supervisor and our director of our office, and I immediately fell in love. I broke cardinal rule number one of not falling in love with something, um, kept applying to jobs, um, and it, it just like kind of worked out that we just really hit it off and we got along and here we are you know three interviews later and got the job right before graduation and it's been kind of a whirlwind ever since of turning around getting to atlanta moving to um a city that you don't have friends in um and creating that kind of community but um it's been a really awesome time to kind of get to where i am now in the middle of a very uncertain amount of time so that's kind of like a, not a very quick, a very rambling uh, option of my job search process. Well, quite a lot to unpack there. There's so many little good um, nuggets of information that you shared there. I do really want to highlight what you were talking about specifically about, you know, Georgia not being on your list of places that you wanted to work. And then you found a job that perfectly fit what it was that you were looking for, you know, in the functional area you were interested in and the skills and, you know, doing the things that you wanted to do, but that the state was not originally where you wanted to be. Um, and I know that we were kind of talking offline before we even started this conversation about how each of us kind of ended up in places that we didn't think we were going to end up in. Um, I know for Erica, she was not thinking about going back to Florida initially. Um, I know for me, South Carolina was not on my list of states that I was like, actively looking in slash interested in. Um, and, you know, I, I just want to pull that apart or pull that little nugget out because I do think it's important sometimes to consider that, like, again, and we've talked about this a little before of, you know, sometimes your, your non-negotiables can be a little bit more negotiable than you think. Um, and that's not to say that you throw your non-negotiables out the window or that you don't create your non-negotiables, but that you kind of do some meaning making when you see something, you're like, okay, well, this isn't, is it, is it a state that I was interested in, but it comes with all these things that I am interested in. And, you know, there's no easy way to say it. There's not a black and white way to kind of parse that out. Um, but that it is kind of a conversation and a reflection that you have to do with yourself because, um, again, it might not be something you originally considered or it might not be in your non-negotiable or it might be on your non-negotiables, but it might still be something for you to consider or think about. It's all about that balance, right? Like, what, what is most important to you? What are like those top three things? And then, you know, you are next to a Waffle House, you have one on campus that might outweigh being in Georgia. And, and here you are loving what you do. So it is definitely figuring out what is most significant. So it sounds like you've landed somewhere really good um, in a really hard time to job search. 
Yeah, definitely. I mean, kind of what you said, that top three list of like what is going to work and what isn't. Um, And thankfully, like location, I could be flexible on. Atlanta offers me everything I wanted by a major airport, Um, really great food, really great social life when there's not a pandemic. Um, So even though it's an hour and a half away from home, I think it still had offered me a lot more than I um, could imagine. So I'm excited that I landed Yeah, absolutely. And can you talk a little bit more or talk a little bit about what it's like to be a new professional right now? So you've been working at Georgia Tech for almost a year, right? Kind of about-ish, some change? Yeah, eight months. I guess like coming up on nine months, I guess. Yeah, I guess so. So May 18th will be my one year. Um, But but yeah, definitely the new professional lifestyle has been a little bit tough. Uh, You want to come in and make friends and, um, you know, want to work with your office. I worked remotely for three months before I even saw anybody in person. Um, so it was very interesting to see what people actually looked like, um, not from the shoulders up, um, and that people were taller or shorter than you expected. So it was very cool to kind of check that out. But, um, my team did a really great job of kind of opening me up to, um, that team building, team bonding. We did a lot of lunches together on Zoom. Um, We had a Snapchat group. um, And one thing that really stood out to me was leaning on my networks that I had created over the last several years. So my time at Georgia, my time at Clemson, um, they knew people that worked at Georgia Tech that were around my same age and connected us. So I was able to create kind of this group of girlfriends that um, worked across the street in student affairs since the Alumni Association is a little bit uh, separate from the Institute. Um, and they were able to reach out, email me and be like, hey, I know your former supervisor. We went to grad school together. Let's be friends. Or, hey, I know um, some people at Georgia that know you that said you were cool. Let's be friends. And we ended up doing like a little bachelorette night. And then that was our kind of like core group of friends because we know we're getting tested. We know we're in this kind of bubble of the Institute. So it was nice to get friends through our connections and network. And making friends as a new professional is so hard. It's something that people don't really talk about, right? You just moved to this new city and, and you know, for Exy and I and Savannah, I think for you too, you go straight to grad school from undergrad. So you've got a cohort and you've got the cohort above you and below you, you develop all these friendships. And then you go to a new place and you're like, cool. Okay. So you, yep. You've, you've got your own life going on. I've got my own. There's nothing really created. Um, and then COVID makes it feel even more isolating. So one, it sounds like, you know, if you are someone who is moving to a new job, reaching out, um, what I would do is just reach out and like, be like, hey, you are in my same age bracket. Do you want to grab coffee and sort of force people to be my friends? And that is literally how I formed my friend group here and it worked. But also if you're someone who's somewhere and there's a new professional, what are things that you can do on the other end to remember that that's really hard? Can you invite the savannas of the world to grab a socially distanced lunch or go for a walk and talk with coffee or, you know, whatever it is, because it can feel really like isolating. And, and if you don't move with a partner or you move far from home, even being an hour and a half from home is not really sustainable. So just stuff, some stuff to think about. COVID has definitely exacerbated that. And I think that's every field. That's, that's definitely not unique to student affairs, but it is, it is really tough. So sounds like you found some, some good humans and some good community. Can you, um, oh, sorry, I guess if you want to add anything else. So is there, 
is there like a piece of advice that you would pass on to someone or, you know, anything that you can think that you learned in this process that would be helpful for people? You know, it can be searching in a pandemic because I think this year will continue to be in that, but even something that you learned that is applicable across the board. I know it sounds really cheesy and I've said the words probably like 200 times at this point, but like as much as you possibly can find that firework feeling. And I know like circumstances beyond our control, the pandemic, your lease ending, or, you know, we only have a certain amount of money. Student affairs is not the most highest paying field. Um, You know, wait out for what you feel like is going to be a good situation. This event of the pandemic and moving to a new city and relocating and starting a job is already stressful enough. If you're not surrounding yourself with a job that you're passionate about or a team that will challenge you at least to grow and want to support you either staying for forever or leaving after a year or two years. Um, I think you need to wait out as much as you can for that. And I've been really lucky that at Georgia Tech, I found not only just a very fun team and a job I'm passionate about, but I can confidently say my team also wants to support my future endeavors if I don't want to stay at Tech forever. Um, I did tell my supervisor, however, we both were not leaving until we made a TikTok. So we could be here for at least 60 more years. Um, But um, hold out for that firework feeling and that good feeling that you have um, because you'll know it when you see it. And one thing that I really appreciate that you're talking about, Savannah, is, you know, it's okay to not say yes to the first job that you get, the first offer. I think COVID has exacerbated that. And there is a certain level of privilege in being able to say no to something. And that depends on your savings account and familial support and all of that. And also your first job, you can say no to that. That first offer does not have those fireworks and does not connect. And the supervisory experience is not what you're looking for. Really believe in yourself and know that it's okay to sort of wait it out. And I've had lots of friends who've done that, who have taken some time and that second offer is a much better fit. And I, I think I love that you're talking about this firework moment and it might not be perfect. You're not going to get hundred percent of what you want because no entry-level job is going to pay you $200,000, which is what I want. But if it fits most of your needs and it feels like a good connection and you could be happy there, I think that's really what, what is the most important. So I think that's a really great piece of advice for, you know, COVID times and for really any general job search. Tracy, do you want to add anything to that? Because I feel like we've been on the same page about some of that stuff. No, I would probably just retweet everything you said and just to like really clearly just like conceptualize everything you're saying. Um, if it fits, I sits. So if you do find that job that fits what you're looking for, like nail that bad boy down. Like lock it down, make it yours, you know, do what you got to do. Um, I think what Savannah's talking about with this firework feeling for sure, and not to, not to reiterate a lot of things that Erica's already was saying, but you know, sometimes your gut and your intuition can, is trying to tell you something. And if you are interviewing for a position and you're interacting with some folks and you're just like, um, I'm not sure about this environment. I get, you know, weird feeling about, you know, some of these interactions. I heard someone say something during the interview that I just thought was maybe like inappropriate, potentially like all those things are going to add to the picture, uh, or to the story of, am I going to accept a job offer if they give it to me? Um, and a lot of the things that are revealed during an interview are going to translate to your working environment. So don't just say, Oh, maybe it's just like a one-off. And, you know, I, I, I also know that I'm speaking from the perspective of like what can happen at the worst of interviews, but I'm just trying to iterate that, like, 
you can learn a lot about like dynamics, how people talk to each other, how people interact with each other um, from the interview process itself. For sure. That that feels like a very good spot to stop this conversation because it almost felt like a mic drop moment. Just hey, fireworks, boom. I wish that I wish I had like a mic that I could actually do some ASMR with, but we'll keep it moving. Thank you for being here today and for sharing with us and talking about your job search so openly. We really appreciate it. And I know our listeners who are searching or who have searched are very, very thankful. So we appreciate you being with us today. Thank you all. This has been so fun. Uh, yeah. If anybody has any uh, more questions or anything, feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn. I'd be happy to answer more questions, but this has been a blast. I've laughed so much. We love to see it. Absolutely. So once again, thanks everybody for joining us for the first five years presented by Saxa. And thank you as always to Miles Surrett for producing this episode and Agassi for editing our episodes. 10 out of 10 would recommend both of these humans. If you want some more information about Saxa, the Southern Association for College Student Affairs, on the various social media outlets, you can find them on Facebook at facebook.com slash fanpage. Twitter at Saxa Tweets or on Instagram, Saxa Grams. You can also find our wonderful hosts and our guests on social media as well. You can find me on Twitter at Agassi underscore R. That's A-G-A-S-S-Y underscore R. And what about you, Erica? You can find me at Erica M underscore Aguiar. That's Erica with a C. And Aguiar is A-G-U-I-A-R. And Savannah, you said people can connect with you on LinkedIn. Is there anywhere else that they can connect with you? Yeah, for sure. Um, I'm also on Twitter and Instagram at Savannah Lockman. I'm super boring. So um, Lockman, like L-O-C-K-M-A-N. So yeah. Not boring, just easy to find. And you have one more follower and it is me. So very excited for that. Thank you again, everyone for listening and tune in next time to hear more about the first five years and our job search theme. Thanks for being with us.